Kathy, it's the Sniffer season launch. It is. Happy new season. Happy new season. And guess what, folks? We're doing less, but they're going to be better. That's right. Our idea now is to do fewer uh, Sniffer episodes, but to actually spend a little more time thinking about them so they can be a little more considered, but hopefully still fun. Still fun. Yeah. No, it's very important to have fun because yeah. we're not getting paid. So exactly. <laughs> a bit of fun. And I did want to say uh, we've been through all this stuff about trying to relaunch the blog and sort out our iTunes issues, which congratulations, you sorted out our iTunes issues. <laughs> Excellent. And thanks to uh, people on uh, the blog and on Twitter who helped me out with some of the stuff around the blog. I really appreciate it. So you're first. I want to talk to you about this trend I've been seeing in um, kind of crowdsourcing urban sensing. This is the kind of thing that's coming at us from a bunch of different places, but what got me thinking about it is I saw this great link to this project that UCLA has underway. I saw the link through uh, Scientific American. It's uh, a lab or a research body called Participatory Urban Sensing. Basically, it's the idea of crowdsourcing sensing and environmental data and using that information for you know, research, for community projects, for public policy, for personal benefit. And um, UCLA has a really interesting, succinct write-up about how this urban sensing happens. And basically, it's coming together of a few different things. One is pervasive computing in the environment, all these different little sensors that are everywhere. Smartphones, you can put apps on and GPS and stuff. Cloud computing, so you can upload your information to the cloud. And people's appetite for, I know you love this, crowdsource participation. That's what I think about that. (laughs) Actually, I have to say, I loved it. Mm, Really? I thought it was great. I thought you'd hate it. I I I do have a few issues with it. But overall, like the one example that you used was, imagine if... You were coming to visit me on the bike, mm-hmm. and it ends up that one of the roads that you're on is all chewed up. Well, if you had used this in advance, you could have checked in with these urban sensing, and other people could have said, there's a terrible, terrible series of potholes on Chestnut Street. Take a different route. Mm-hmm. And it would be the same thing with driving. It would be great for that sort of thing. Yeah, so, I mean, the idea here is that it could be like a research body or the city or even like a community of people like bike riders or whatever come up with this idea of what they want uh, to have researched. And everyday people collect information, especially with their phones. This is actually part of what my book is about, is the idea of, you know, once you have uh, phones that know where they are, how they're being held, can have apps loaded onto them, and we potentially have other sensors in the environment, like maybe you have air quality sensors, things like that, and the ability to share that information. You can actually develop data sets and research about stuff that is either too hyper-local or too sort of peripheral or whatever to actually have like the city send out a bunch of people to do that or um, a research body actually go out and formally do it. But it did get me to thinking if we're like taking pictures of everything and if we're constantly mediating whatever we're seeing mm-hmm. with a piece of technology, isn't that taking us even more further away from actually being in the moment? It's true, but it might keep you from landing with your bike into a pothole. Yeah, but then I mean, just I take want... your point. But from a practical point of view, in terms of things like, say, 
you know, if you're in a big city, say it's 2020, the city's macro city totally polluted, don't you want to know not only like where the best bike route is, but where the best air quality is and things like that? Things that yeah, are updated on this constant I know, way. but it does take out that idea of the wonderful accident that could happen. Yes, absolutely. You it know? takes away from serendipity. For sure. Yes, that's the word I wanted. I think it's a big trend that we're going to see a lot more I think it's going to be huge. At least I hope so because it's in my book. So No, no, no. I think you're right. I absolutely think you're right. And I think it'll work. And I think people love to do that sort of thing with their gadgets, even though they're not participating in the here and now. That's right. Unlike mine. You have totally escaped from the here and now, but this is way cool. Yeah. Well, it's either way cool or way stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Remember way back when we first started, we talked about a company called Vuzix. And they had those Jordy glasses, you know, Jordy LaForge. Yeah, yeah. from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The sort of immersive goggles. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, music is still in business. And really? They are, yes, they are. Because I, I was back in 1982 that we first talked oh, about it. It was 62, wasn't it? <laughs> we were little babies. We weren't even, you weren't even born yet. <laughs> maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. <laughs> but Sony has come out with these goggles. They're basically like an immersive goggle. And they're going to be coming out in time for Christmas, folks, but they cost 780 bucks. I know. So, but, but what they are is, is they're goggles that they fit around your eyes, mm-hmm. and they're almost like binoculars. So you can adjust each eye so that you can get sort of like the most perfect vision that you could get for you when you're okay. actually looking through this thing. As far as for sound, it's got 5.1 Dolby surround sound. Oh, wow. I don't know. I just thought that we're seeing more and more of this, like with people wanting these 3D glasses, mm-hmm. and now there's these 3D headsets mm-hmm. that people will be having in their homes. And for gaming. It's, and yeah. it's, the other thing that's really interesting, though, is, is that they only line up with Sony products. So they're meant to go with the PlayStation, mm-hmm. and they're meant to go with the Blu-ray to really you know, keep pushing their yeah. Blu-ray technology. Yeah, I thought a couple of things when you uh, talked to me about this. I could surely see it for gaming, for sure, where people mm-hmm. really want that immersive um, experience, especially as they come down in price. But I, I still can't get my head around like people sitting down after dinner and putting on the, the, gla- the glasses and watching, you know. It's horrible. I that, that I have to, and, and just from the point of view of social trends, you know, never mind that you're not talking to your kids or your neighbor or whatever because you're all immersed in, uh, you know, you're jacked into uh, your, your cyber reality or whatever. But I, I kept thinking about the other trend that we've seen a lot, even in terms of marketing electronics, is the trend towards making television viewing more social they're starting to look at having TV where it's really easy for you to watch a TV broadcast and have whatever your I am client up at the same time. So you and your pals are all chatting about American Idol or whatever the hell or you're like watching. Or like my adult TV, my adult 3D TV. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like how it's simultaneously we want this immersive experience, but then we also want it to be an experience like so many other things that we have in our lives that we share with other people, right? And I don't, I think those two things are in uh, tension with each other. I can't imagine anything weirder. Just imagine this out there, kids. You're sitting around with your family in the living room watching Avatar. Mm-hmm. And you're all in Easy Boys or Burka loungers with right. <laughs> these things on your head, sort of like zapped into your yeah. own reality. Yeah. Like yeah. it would yeah. be absolutely immersive, but it's not human. But you know what I think would be really cool? Like can, you can really kind of imagine this next gen thing like five or ten years in the future when those two things come together, when you can be gaming 
with your pals and you can all have some type of like avatar presence so you can be together virtually like that yeah. I think well no because that's what I've always yeah. thought that you know like me and the um, the holodeck the holograms mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. say like I've always wanted that but I don't know I think we're really seeing attention though and I don't know what's going to happen in the three-dimensional like in the 3d mm-hmm. glass arena I don't know if this is just if this is going to happen or not yeah Right now, it's a pretty big ask. You're committing not only to PlayStation and Blu-ray, but also to these glasses that work with that. And that means that, forget it, if you want to get a Kinect sometime down the road or whatever, then you have to reinvest in that technology. I'd like to know what people think about this. Um, First of all, would you use a super immersive thing when you're just in the privacy of your own home? Would you use it for gaming? Would you use it for anything else? Imagine if you're all alone, that would be pretty neat. That would be pretty neat. Come to the blog. For links to these stories and more. And check out the new uh, blog. It's a bit uh, spankier. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we've got links to our new personal website. That's right. <laughs> okay, bye. The sniffer.net. Yeah, right, right, bye. Bye. <laughs>